0: As digital transformation evolves into broader modernization efforts, organizations face a common milestone. They need to expand their cloud-based services, but they lack the staff and skills to do so at scale. Enter Ivan, a Google Cloud partner. Ivan offers a suite of open source solutions that stands up a cloud-based data infrastructure, freeing developers to focus on high-value projects. In this podcast episode from Google Cloud, our expert from Ivan will connect the dots to show you how their open source cloud-based solutions can help you accelerate your cloud migration and modernization. Hi, everybody. Jim Malone here. I'm a senior content strategist with CIO Marketing Services, and we're delighted you're with us. In this podcast episode from Google Cloud, we're joined by Troy Sellers, who's a solution architect at IVAN. And on the agenda, we'll hear how organizations can prime their developer teams for innovation by letting IVAN handle the complex and resource-intensive chore of cloud data management. Hi, Troy. Welcome. So glad you could be with us. Tell us a little bit about Ivan and your role there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Um, So, yeah, one of my roles here at uh, Ivan is I'm part of the staff of the solution architecture team. Solution architects um, at Ivan just help our customers solve some of the challenges they have when adopting our technology, our open source database technology. Um, if, If you're unfamiliar... That's what we do here at Ivan. We manage database services for our customers, uh, database services in the cloud, uh, open source technologies such as Postgres, MySQL, uh, Apache Kafka, those kind of things. Uh, we help customers adopt those services so they can focus on what they do best, uh, which is building you know, technology for their customers.
0: Thanks, Troy. We're really happy you could be with us today. We've got a lot to cover in this episode of the principles of cloud data strategy. So let's get right to it. And let's start with the challenges. What are the critical challenges developers face today when they're looking to build cloud native applications?
1: Yeah, it, this is a really interesting question, Jim, um, because the challenges today, they're worlds apart from the days that I've, I've, the days gone by where I used to uh, be building applications myself. I remember uh, we used to go and talk to customers uh, when big data was like a gigabyte, <laughs> um you know that that kind of scale of today's cloud native applications is something that's that's really one of the challenges that they face. We used to talk about customers about their data tier of being, Flat files or maybe a relational database. Um, and then the rest of your project decisions were pretty much dependent on the budget you had for the hardware. Um, you know, what kind of servers could you afford to buy and, and plug into your data rack? Uh, today, developers, um, they really need to be aware of a lot of different things in the stack around the application design. Um the the, the stack today can contains so many different moving parts uh, and different tiers of logic and everyone gets to operate in different things and so an application developer really has to be aware of all those technologies at some at some level they need to be really aware of the deployment model what's interesting is you think about a public cloud application the primitives that these engineers starting to work with um, are fundamentally different from from what they were not too many years ago in many good ways um mind you uh, but that kind of shift in the way they operate they definitely need to have that uh, front of mind as well everyone needs to be aware of the regulatory op- um, landscape they're operating in today um any kind of contingencies they need to think around uh growth especially for public facing applications uh quite often uh, success can be one of the the most dangerous things to a brand new startup uh, if they're public facing because they need to be able to scale um, it, at some kind of viral load. Really, um, security, security, um, security. Yeah. I think uh, that idea of like just data security is is massive, uh, and everyone in the organisation needs to be hyper focused uh, on keeping p- keeping customer data uh, secure and private where it needs to be. Uh, and to throw on top of that, they probably need to be experts in data analytics and machine learning and <laughs> some of those things that are going to happen with that data down the line. So the first thing that they really need to think about is, you know, the entire stack and how that's going to work for them, but especially with cloud native technologies. The the overarching thing is time to market. Uh, there's been an interesting shift in the last couple of years around CICD technologies and as they gain more popularity, this, this concept of infrastructure as code. Um, developers have this, there's this expectation on developers that releases, you know, go from rather than once every three months to once every month to, you know, every lunchtime at 11 o'clock. <laughs> uh, this time to market, uh, it's just getting faster and faster and faster. Uh, and it, you definitely are in a race with your competitors to do that. This is probably one of the main reasons that developers turn to companies like Google and Ivan for fully managed services, because it just takes a, a lot of that um, headache out of managing that and they can get to market really, really fast.
0: We've, we've certainly have come a long way. And thanks for pointing out. That was uh, uh, interesting about how we used to do it and how the challenges have changed, but yet there's still are challenges. And one of the things I also want to talk to you about uh, Troy is from the developer's point of view what are some of the most critical bottlenecks that can be expected when creating open source software as a service?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd probably start to talk about resourcing, actually. It's not really a technology challenge in in just getting the stuff and getting the people and the expertise onto your project that you need. It becomes like, it sort of goes to what we were just talking about around um, the depth and breadth of technology stacks that go into a modern application these days. Uh, whenever you embark on that project, um, there's probably going to be components in a stack that, as an individual developer, you're not going to be familiar with, and this is always the first hurdle. And uh, it'll never be—you know—it's never long in a project before you encounter a problem that requires someone on your team to have seen that before, to have solved it for, and to probably have some real deep expertise in the technology that you're using um it, it's definitely been my experience that these things always happen uh, in some kind of production environment and so this you know it happens when the pressure's on as well it's it's more often than not you don't get the luxury of sort of trying to figure this out in a testing environment you've got you know your customers and and your stakeholders um with their eyes over the fence to see to see how that's working out for you so having those resources in your team uh, and just finding those resources in the marketplace to be honest is definitely one of the first uh, bottlenecks that you can you can incur in when you start to create this kind of technology the the second thing and this is I, I've always found this interesting I've sort of started my career as a software engineer I've spent time in product management and I've spent time uh, on the pre-sales sort of solution architecture um side of the fence as well over the last 20 30 30 odd years. But um, deployment tooling was one of those things that always used to catch catch me a little bit by surprise. It's one of those things that's rarely spoken about outside the engineering teams, but it really takes so much time and energy out of a project, um, especially with sort of open source technologies. This idea that you've got to you know create and maintain not just one environment. You know you've got development environments, testing environments, UAT environments. This brings a real um, Significant overhead on top of managing a production stack, to be honest, and you know this can be quite significant. Uh, I've, I've definitely seen engineering teams where they'll have, you know, a number of full-time resources whose whose responsibility is just to maintain all the environments for everyone. Um, and when you think about the kind of resources we're talking about here in an engineering team, they're typically uh, not the cheapest resources in the company. Um, those those kind of burdens can really sort of yeah, become become a bottleneck in a project, especially if if you're lacking on that resourcing. The, and lastly, I think um, another thing that takes a lot of, I guess, speed and air out of a uh, the velocity of a project is just maintenance of in production resources. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing in in a software as a service business, especially at how, um how critical the the engineering team is to sort of production activities and managing production activities. But there's a lot of time spent, or there can be a lot of time spent by some of the core engineering people in the team supporting and responding to, you know, like production incidents or customer investigations and those kind of things. Uh, and many times I've seen, um, you know, like uh, sprints, slip and, and production releases slip because just the resources that you have in that team have, have been pulled off into into other sort of business as usual type operations as well. And so those kind of bottlenecks it's around that uh, around that resourcing and around how do you get people to you know eyes on the prize in that sense uh can really impact the velocity of, of going forward for that.
0: Yeah and Troy is it fair to say that the, the underlying concern there is that Maybe this isn't the best use of that expensive, you know, highly, highly valued resource, your developer team, engineers.
1: Yeah, I think um the best use is an interesting phrase, Jim. I think it, at the time when you're in there, that's the hard part about it is that it is the best use of your time. Because if you're in a business, especially in a business like ours where you're handling customer data, it's the most important thing you can do. Uh, and so it is the best use of their time uh, to make sure that's as as good as it po- can possibly be. I think anyone that's in the business of um, supporting customers would agree with that. it, it have it does, however, create that uh, tension uh, between sort of you know software delivery uh, right. and velocity of features. Um, it's just one of those things I think you have to consider if you're going to take on that uh, responsibility.
0: Fair point. Well, Troy, we've covered some of the challenges, the bottlenecks, etc. Let's talk about the advantages of open source development, and let's uh, look at it both from the developer's point of view. Let's not forget the line of business. You know those those folks who, you know, really put business goals and business objectives first. Not that the engineering team doesn't, but let's look look at it from both perspectives: developers and LOB.
1: Yeah. I so I I find this um, fascinating and a little bit of just about the history of technology, right? Like none of us uh, would be employed today without open source software. So I'm going to talk about that as my first advantage. You know, <laughs> from the from the inception of yep. our entire industry to to the modern day, there's pretty pretty much nothing that any of us do that doesn't rely upon or, or at least have its roots in some sort of open source software project. Um, I, I find that. Kind of an interesting little historical footnote, I guess, these days. But when you're in the in the engineering team, like creating that that technology stack that we talked about earlier, um, if you if you adopt a bunch of open source technology to do that, it really allows your developers to collaborate a, a lot better. The, there's this interesting thing about open source technology is that they're created from a collaboration of an entire community. And so when developers use open source, they really understand how to transfer knowledge around how to use that um, technology a lot easier it's actually kind of easier to find people in a talent pool to draw from Um, a, a great example of that and this is one of the things our customers talk about a lot is this idea of an open api standard and and you think about um say a technology like postgres the the postgres api's you know, can be leveraged across the entire Postgres ecosystem. What that means from a from an engineering perspective, as you adopt that into a development stream, is you you don't need to build proprietary connectors um, to take advantage of all the tooling that sit around that. There's a there's a full ecosystem around this Postgres database that rapidly increases um the time to market for what you're trying to do with it. And I think that's probably one of the most important things from an engineering perspective is that when you take these open source projects in, there is just so much community support, uh, both in you know tooling and, no- and, and knowledge and advice around that, uh, that just really helps you get to market a lot faster. As as you mentioned, Jim, let's let's not forget about the business as well. And I think when you when you approach this from a line of business type of angle, the the most clear thing is just total cost of ownership. Um, there's a couple of things that's like again it's this community when you've got such a large community that are working on that technology the the cost of development um is just dramatically lower um it's 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 really surprising to me it never ceased to be surprising to me um about every time I get to interact with open source contributors and open source projects these folks, they, they have full-time jobs, but like on the weekend and when they're on holidays and things like that, um, they're, they're still contributing to this project. There's just this passion uh, around what they do that uh, is, is kind of humbling, uh, to be honest. The flip side to this is, you know, the speed of innovation is just so much faster. There's, a, there's an interesting thing about open source that people talk about, you know, that many eyes on a problem. When you've got a large community and a really well-adopted open source project, um, you've just got a lot of people, probably a lot more people than you could bring into your team on your own budget, um, looking at that technology, uh, identifying and squashing bugs as quickly as possible. And you can really get a much more high-quality software, uh, effectively at a lower price. before you even consider, you know, there's no such thing as licensing costs and stuff like that in some of the proprietary closed source systems that you can pay, and so it becomes pretty straightforward why the business team are attracted to that kind of technology.
0: Right from the uh, the TCO point of view, and that's it's interesting to hear you invoke kind of that long. Um, history and tradition among the open source community what is it 40 50 years now of of development um that that community's been kind of uh, thriving and and you know innovating now so really interesting to to evoke that
1: yeah Yeah, i i find that 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 kind of stuff is genuinely interesting to me i think it um it really gives a good uh, lens on how to choose your open source products as well. I think there's a there's an excellent metric when you're evaluating open source technology that is just that. It's like how big and active the community is, and how long has it been acting for. It becomes a a really interesting thing to look at when you're evaluating technology to be bringing into your business.
0: Yeah, really interesting. Uh, Troy, let's let's kind of paint the picture here, let's talk about a use case. I'm going to ask you to give us a, a kind of an example of how an organization can leverage your services, IVAN services and solutions. And from the perspective, how it can, you know, encourage innovation, new product development, other business objectives, you know, just if you go right down the list for CIOs priorities, yep. how do yep, you guys course. help help with those things?
1: Yeah. I, um, I talk a little bit. I, when, The thing that immediately jumps to mind or a customer that immediately jumps to mind for me um, is is down here in our region. You can probably tell from my accent, I'm down in uh, Sydney in Australia. Um, We we work with a company uh, out of Indonesia called GoTo Financial. GoTo Financial are part of the Gojek ecosystem uh, in Indonesia. If you're unfamiliar with Gojek, uh, they're sort of a technology company that started in Jakarta in 2009 effectively is like an app-based on-demand two-wheel courier service. Um, Since then, they've just uh, created a whole number of platforms that allow people across Southeast Asia um, to to access a whole raft of different services from transport and logistics, uh, food shopping, uh, business and entertainment services. And, you know, they run this to over 270 million customers um, within like in the, I think at last count we spoke to them they're talking about 11 million merchants on the platform so they have a sort of a merchant and a b2c um facing side of those those platforms as well massive industry um super super huge com- um, company i think they're one of the first companies uh, in indonesia to be listed as a unicorn and going to be public and they'll, and 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 to go on and just have that massive success out of southeast asia uh, the go-to financial arm of Gojek wanted to build a, a, an application that handled all the payments that were integrated through Gojek. And when you when you think about that stream of data for 270 million consumers that are transacting uh, in the application, there's a, there's a number of I guess really serious kind of considerations that you have to think about. Well, when you're taking payments, there's a lot of regulatory and legal concerns you have to have. You're obviously thinking about things like PCI DSS compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Indonesian financial regulator has got their own position on how those kind of things need to be managed inside Indonesia. Uh, and so those things are probably top top of mind for any kind of CIO that's that's thinking about these kind of uh, challenges. And I think that's where managed services can can really play a part. I know um, Google definitely spend a lot of time and effort on making sure the security and compliance services um, that they offer are um, are all covered and maintained to, to the necessary requirements they need to be. And same here at Ivan, right? So like all those kind of compliance certificates you need around PCI or ISO 27001 or SOC compliance, so those kind of things are all part of the service that comes in. And that means you don't have to have that resource um, full-time on stuff which is which is kind of useful then you talk about the the technology requirements of of a platform like that you know you you can imagine this you, you've got a high through you very high throughput of transactions here you mm-hmm. want to make sure that these financial transactions are highly available uh, at a at a incredible low latency um, to make sure that the experience for those consumers, um is as seamless as possible definitely anyone that's been in the 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 consumer experience business for any time will tell you that you know that that transaction stage you want to make sure that happens as quick as possible go to financial run a really lean engineering team which is fascinating they've managed to do this with a really small engineering team uh focused on just the business requirements and for them having um a partner this they've, they've built this out um on Google Cloud with Ivan uh running um, Ivan for Apache Kafka as a managed service is one of the services they offer um, they they've deployed there on on Ivan the there's a real-time streaming platform in the middle here uh which has allowed them to um you know a, focus on how they use the data, to focus on how they deliver those services out to their customers. Uh, and they've built now a, a substantially large um, Kafka cluster that's fully managed and fully maintained for them uh, on the Google platform by Ivan. So this really allows them to get out to market. They now got a very interesting release cadence as well. They can start to innovate, uh, continue to innovate, actually inside those applications and provide this kind of data services out uh, they're in now three different countries around Southeast Asia, and the growth they're um, they're experiencing has been phenomenal.
0: Troy, that's a great example. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, in our in our work here at CIO Marketing Services, we've seen the discussion kind of shift from digital transformation to modernization. Now, of course, they you know they're they're distinct but linked together. So let's, I want to talk about how an engagement with Ivan can play a role in an organization's cloud native transformation or a modernization, however you want to look at it. So how yeah. how do you guys play that role?
1: Oh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, our mission uh, here at Ivan is, is quite simple. It's to make the developer's life easier. Uh, and when you're a company that is looking at driving innovations or, or transformations into the cloud, for example, uh, they need the right tools to support that activity um i i i was reading the other day mckinsey talk about organizations uh, with strong tooling uh, are 65% more innovative than bottom quartile companies which i think sort of states something that we all in, intrinsically know you need the right tools for the job um i guess is is the way my father used to say it you know that you need you need the right tools to get the job and so together with google cloud um, Ivan here, we want to provide the right tool set for these cloud native organizations to build the things that they want to build. Uh, this idea of like an example, a good example is, you know, in the construction industry, um, you know, you you want to go and take a new house. You've got a beautiful five bedroom house, three bathrooms. You've got a lovely um, and a lovely blueprint and plan of this. Uh, but, you know, when you turn up to build it, if all you've got is a hammer. Um, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to construct that dream. Um, having the right tool is just as important as having the ideas because it allows the people with the ideas to get on and focus on the things that are important. Uh, the idea of say data streaming or relational database or, you know, key value data stores, it's already been solved. And so if you're in this idea of making, um, Transformations happen at your organization, and you're spending most of your time um, optimizing a key-value data store. For example, um, it's a good question to ask: is that the right, is that the right time, is that the right amount of time and effort to be spending on that problem mm-hmm. uh, when that problem has been solved um, quite successfully? So, when developers have the right right tool sets, and especially tool sets that that are fully managed, um, like the ones that you know Google and Ivan are offering. Uh, they can really save a lot of time um, and and focus on the transformation, the transformational parts of their business.
0: Troy, you've got a unique perspective as a, a engineer, and now the work that you do with with Ivan. So before we finish today, I want to ask you, from your perspective, what's the most exciting development coming to this space in the next twelve months?
1: Yeah, that's that's. I'll I'll keep this one brief because this is. <laughs> This has been one of the most exciting things about my career in technology, I think, is that you could ask me that question at any stage in my career and it's always been exciting. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. space to work in. Right. Um, interestingly enough, Jim, I'm an electrician by trade. Uh, before I started writing code, um, I was an electrician. And one of the, the fascinating technology trends that I'm watching at the moment kind of sounds unrelated on the on the front of it. Uh, is the commercialization of something called a nuclear diamond battery. These things are basically small little solar panels wrapped around an energy source. So instead of requiring a a photon from the sun, um, it's an an emitted particles from this energy source uh, that that generate electricity. Um, They they are claiming that they can they'll be able to build batteries with lifespans of 20,000 years. Uh, which is fascinating. Think about never having to charge your um, mobile phone ever again, uh, which is kind of exciting. W- what I think about that from a data perspective is: imagine when we live in a world that everything is powered all the time. Uh, there's going to be yet another step change in the creation and consumption of data, uh, because I think it's not a it's not a massive logical step. Uh, to- to believe that once once everything's powered, uh, it will be connected to the internet. Um, and those kind of things become truly fascinating for the amount of data that we generate uh, as a society, probably in the next, I'd say 10, 10 or 15 years around that. Um, for us here at Ivan uh it's it's super exciting over the next 12 months this the immediate future for us is um, getting out into into um our customers and our prospects and talking a lot about you know data streaming process with our, our new Apache flink service um really looking forward to talking to customers about how to optimize their analytical data loads uh, with our new clickhouse um, service which is our cloud data warehouse that's being sort of the latest in our stable is a beta release, which is super interesting. Um, but yeah, as we continue to grow, you'll see our platform continue to get even better connections um, amongst itself uh, with the whole goal of just allowing developers to simply click a button uh, and and get a completely managed and monitored uh, data team. Uh, for you know, data streams and data at rest and and all those kind of things. Um, the the growth here at Ivan's is is really exciting. I guess is the is the closer there for me about what I'm excited for in the next 12 to 24 months.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much. We've been chatting with Troy Sellers with Ivan. Troy, thanks again so much for your expertise and insights today. Really, really good stuff.
1: Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for giving us this opportunity.
0: Excellent, with pleasure. And a big thanks to everyone who tuned in for this episode. Now be sure to check out the other episodes of the Principles of Cloud Data Strategy, where we talk with more Google Cloud partners about standing up a cloud-based data infrastructure, the advantages of an integrated data pipeline, and a modern approach to database management. You can listen to the entire series on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcast platform. And for Google Cloud and Ivan, this is Jim Malone saying thanks, everyone, for tuning in.
1: The podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated doing business as Foundry in association with its sponsor, Google.